The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome, welcome, welcome. It's a steamy, hot Sunday afternoon here. It's time for some employment law. I don't get the correlation, but it was possibly the worst segue in radio right there, so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, 105 Sunday, and we're ready for your calls. John Pincus is uh, covering the show today, a last-minute fill-in. John, you're always prepared and ready to go. You're like a Boy Scout with a law degree. It's fantastic. 416-870-6400, always the number to call in. We are live. We are uh, waiting for your calls. You have questions about, uh, you know, going back to work. Maybe you're coming off a temporary layoff from COVID-19. Maybe you got some questions about that. Don't feel safe. Maybe you're an employer and you've got questions about it. That's no problem. Bring them on. Ready here to answer. 416-870-6400. You want to reach out through email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Lots to get through. I know you got a couple things for the week that was, John, so we'll get right into it. And then following that and the phone calls, what you need to know about employment agreements. These things are one of the most important documents you could possibly sign in your entire existence. So that's coming up. But first, brother, what do you got for me? Week that was. Well, uh, thank you, John, first of all, for the very kind introduction, as usual. <laughs> I hope to not disappoint today. I do have some uh, interesting uh, scenarios that will we'll hope, uh, hopefully perk up some interest in people who have uh, experienced some similar situations, either themselves, or their friends, or their family. So please do call in. Don't be shy. Make up a name. We, we really don't care. Uh, we're here to talk to you. Uh, so a couple interesting situations here. Uh, first one involved a 65-year-old supervisor at a large manufacturing facility and he'd been working for this company for an astounding 28 years and a few weeks ago actually about a month ago his boss came out to him and said you know well so and so you're now you're 65 years old you're eligible for an early retirement what do you think about that to which he said well actually I was planning on working until I was at least 75 Uh, but he learned that the company had a mandatory retirement policy and at 65 years old they say you cannot work for the company anymore before he knows it, the company sent out a mass email to everyone congratulating him on 28-year service and saying he's going wow. to be retiring. They hold a, a Zoom retirement party for him, and the boss makes a speech. And all this while, this guy's sitting there awkwardly thinking, well, I didn't ask for this. But he figures it is what it is. I guess if the company says I have to retire, I'll have to find somewhere to work that's willing to hire someone who's 65. Well, then he gets his record of employment, which he wants to use to apply for employment insurance. And that is the point that he came to me because he said, you know what? This record of employment, it says code E for quit. But I didn't quit. I was was put through the mandatory retirement policy. I said, well, hang on a second. What what do you mean mandatory retirement policy? And that's what I told him. I said, no, you haven't been mandatorily retired. You've been terminated. If a company forces you to resign, that's not a resignation. That's a termination. And after 28 years, at the age of 65, this is someone who could be entitled to anywhere from 20 to 24 months pay, and they paid him nothing. Nothing. And even more so, nothing, because they said he retired. And even more so, mandatory retirement policies are illegal under the Human Rights Code and have been for 15 years, uh, unless the company can link it to a bona fide occupational requirement. So this company is clearly liable for human rights damages as well. And it's so remarkable that he had not, had he not called me about his record of employment and let two years go by, he would not have been entitled to anything. 
So to anyone listening, if you've lost your job or if you've been asked to quit or to retire, call us. Let's talk about it. Because if you really haven't quit voluntarily, you're going to be entitled to a severance package. You know, in this case, a severance package is worth over $150,000. So you really, really cannot afford to wait until that limitation period is over. Yeah, and it's 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 uh, as you've always said, and Lior's always said, a resignation that's done voluntary, voluntarily and unilaterally. Someone can't say, "Oh, by the way, you just uh, you just quit. You just no, 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 no. I didn't leave. You just fired me. So it's good that he finally you know called you guys and made the move because hey, a twenty-year employee, that's a nice little pot of gold for the uh, for the guy at the end of the end of the road for sure. Mike, going to get your call here in a moment. First, uh, we're going to take a short break. I know John, you got something else to talk about, and we'll get to our phone calls. Just getting warmed up here Sunday afternoon edition of the Employment Law Show 416-870-6400 right back at it after this you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto and we are back indeed. It is one thirteen, and welcome back to a uh, Sunday edition of the Employment Law Show. John Pink is here to answer all of your questions. 416-870-6400. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get to our discussion here in just a minute, John. But if I get my mouse working, we'll take the uh, the first phone call. Mike, thanks for uh, for standing by for a few minutes. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good, brother. What's uh, what's on your mind? Okay. Beginning of March or mid-March, I was uh, laid off. And then time went by because all due to COVID. Two weeks ago, I was terminated because of um, COVID, and they gave me a severance pay of seventeen and change. Now I've been there for two and a half years. Can they just up and let me go like that? And is that severance pay, as they say, is equivalent to one week for each year? Okay, well, well, Mike, let's uh, let's start with the for the first question because uh, the first question is simple, uh, which is yes, they they can terminate your employment. Uh, employers have discretion to terminate your employment for almost any reason, as as long as that reason is not discriminatory or, or otherwise illegal. Uh, but in a situation you described, yes, they can terminate your employment. Now, as far as whether that severance package is accurate, so let's look at um, some some things about here. So you said you were working there for two and a half years. What was your job, Mike? I was a driver slash warehouse worker, uh, owner picker driver. Okay, and about how how old are you, Mike? Fifty six. Fifty six. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, I I would say that you're probably entitled to be paid conservatively at least about four months' pay. Uh, and about how much have they offered you here? They gave me, they said, equivalent of one week per year. Now, up to three years, they gave me seventeen fifty. One week per year of service, that's what they gave you? That's what they said. Okay, well, that, that sounds like a wrongful dismissal. Uh, it does sound like an oh, inadequate wow. severance package. So I would recommend that you give us a call. This should be a very straightforward matter to resolve. Uh, you are going to be owed more severance than the two and a half weeks. It's um, that, That's practically the minimum amount. So uh, absent uh, unusual circumstances, you're going to be owed more than this. Okay, so um, would I contact you? you contact so, yeah, so give us a call off, give us a call off air. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about this in more detail and, and what we can do for you here. Okay. Thank you so much. 
You're welcome. Thanks, Mikey. Good call. And uh, there you go. One eight five 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 five. Pardon me. I'd, let me give him the email first address because he probably hasn't got the email. That's always easy thing for people to uh, to digest. Help at uh, employmentlawyer.ca and one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. There, Mike. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And that speaks to a larger issue. In fact, it's one of the main reasons why we started this show eight years ago, and that was the assumption. That uh, and and Mike mentioned it there. He said, "You know, I didn't get. Uh, no, sure. Uh, apparently, this is my week per year. That is still the understanding, and that is still why we hammer this point home. Th- uh, what four times a week on this radio station? That it is not a week per year. There is not a standard mathematic uh, computation to it. And uh, I guess that all stems from people reading things on the the Employment Standards Act, right?" Yeah, or, or in Mike's case, just being told by their employer, right? Yeah. Just being told by their employer, this is what we're going to give you. And I mean, you know, if you are not an employment lawyer uh, and all you can do is Google, then how are you to know? I mean, thankfully, we, you know, you have the severance pay calculator available to you, which can give you a sense yes. of what your entitlements probably should be. Uh, but if your employer says one week per year of service, you're not going to know otherwise unless you speak with an employment lawyer. So Mike's question really, really goes to the heart of why we do this show. And uh, it was a very good question. And I, and I hope that others uh, who have other uh, concerns or questions about their severance package, give us a call on air, call us off air, speak to an employment lawyer and make sure you get what you're owed here. Because for him, uh, depending how much, you know, I didn't calculate exactly how much he's earning, but it sounds like right. he's owed a lot more than they're offering him here. You bet. Appreciate the call again, Mike. And for you as well, lines, of course, still open, uh, wide open. Feel free to make that call. Get some answers. 416-870-6400. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email address we use. And I uh, want to move on to uh, some other things here. want to get to that second week that was you were talking about before we move on to the topic for the day, pal. What's going on? So the second situation, I think, is going to be one many people can relate to right now because it involves a computer software engineer who worked for a company that was started up about five years ago. He started right when the, when the company started. And this is a company that did get fairly hard hit by the pandemic. And like many companies, they had to downsize. This company, uh, amazingly, had, had already grown to about 50 employees, uh, 25 of whom were software engineers. And the company decided that to deal with what they say is a lower volume or a lower anticipated future volume, they're going to cut half of those software engineers. And this person was one of them. But instead of paying him a severance package, the company wrote him a letter stating, well, as a result of the unprecedented COVID-19 pandemic, your employment is frustrated. Now, for those who don't know, frustration of contract is when a contract has been rendered completely impossible to perform because of an unforeseen event. So to take an extreme example, a construction company is building on a site and something's discovered on that site, making it a historical heritage site or archaeological site, and they have to stop building. They're ordered to stop building because of a government order. Therefore, the contract has to end and it's no one's fault. But that's not what's going on here at all. In this case, the company made a decision. That decision was to save money by cutting their staff. Now, they may have felt, quote, forced to do so by virtue of their P&L statements, but that really doesn't make this any different than any other termination in any way whatsoever. Uh, Therefore, I told this individual he's going to be owed his full severance pay because that is what the law says. And that severance package for him could be as much as six months pay. So if you get one of these letters, fortunately, they're they're pretty rare. Most companies are wise enough not to do something this silly. Uh, But if you get a letter alleging frustration of contract, uh, that is the time to speak to us and find out how much you could be owed because that is just complete uh, nonsense. If that company is still operating and, and your employment's been terminated, they're going to owe you severance because, you know, chances are, 
unless it's a very, very extreme situation. Uh, if your company has been terminated simply for financial or cost-cutting reasons, even if that's related to the, the pandemic, which essentially everything is right now and for the yeah, foreseeable future, no uh, that's a regular termination, plain and simple. You're owed your severance. What you need to know about employment agreements, that is on the way. More of your phone calls as well. Ryan, you're, uh, you're up next as soon as we come back from a short break and plenty of time for your call as well. 416-870-6400, Employment Law Show. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back indeed. It's uh, 123 and thanks for joining us. 416-870-6400. We'll get to some emails if we got some time later on and what you need to know about employment agreements. That topic is on the way first. We'll get to uh, to Ryan. Hey, Ryan, thanks for standing by. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. Go ahead. What's up? Uh, yeah, I just have a quick question. Um, I just want to know how you calculate your uh, severance pay. Um, is, uh, does overtime count towards uh, severance pay? Because my yearly income is not fixed. Okay, so great, great question, Ryan. So yeah. let, let's uh, start with the first question because there's two things here. So in terms of how do we calculate severance pay, you know, we, we use the word calculator pretty loosely when we're talking about something, for instance, like the severance pay calculator because severance pay, uh, when we're talking about your full entitlements, we call your common law entitlements, that's a qualitative assessment, okay? It's a, it's a holistic assessment. And what the law is doing is they're looking at what are the various factors that could be obstacles in your way to find a job? Well, as far as the law is concerned, if you're a, young, a very young person, you've been somewhere a very short period of time, you make a very low income in a very entry-level position, you're going to need less time. If we flip those uh, you know, those circumstances on its head, you know, if you're 65 years old and the president of RBC, you're going to take an extremely long time to replace that job because there's arguably only four other comparable positions in the country. So yeah. that's, that's essentially the analysis that we're doing here. We're looking at how long does it take. And so you go to severance pay calculator, you can get a sense of what those entitlements are, and then you have a call with, with an employment lawyer who can really hone in on what the range is likely to be given the unique circumstances of your case, because every case really is unique. So um, the best that I can say is if you're wondering what your severance pay, uh, your entitlements are, start with severance pay uh, calculator. And then if you're in a situation where you have a severance package, give us a call. And, and there really is uh, no substitute to speaking with uh, an employment lawyer. Now, as far as the second um, the, the, the second issue, overtime, when we are talking about severance entitlements, we're talking about compensating you for every aspect of your compensation, everything that you would have gotten had you been employed for the relevant period. So let's say you go on the severance pay calculator and you find out that your entitlements are six months pay. Well, that means we have to simulate a scenario where had the company given you six months notice, what would you have gotten? Well, you would have gotten your overtime, assuming your overtime was fairly consistent. You would have gotten your, obviously your salary, your group benefits, your RSP contributions. If you got quarterly bonuses, you would have gotten your bonus. And all of that forms part of your entitlement. It's, it's, it's everything that you would have gotten during that period. So overtime in the right circumstances absolutely is part of that. Oh, okay. Okay, I, and uh, I think that's all. That's all. That's okay, it. great. Okay. Well, thanks for your questions. Very good questions. 
Appreciate it, Ryan. You want to reach out further and have a uh, chat with John or a member of his team? No problem. one 821 5900 Again, one 821 5900 And since you mentioned it a couple times already, John, uh, Severance Pay Calculator can be found as part of pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's all kinds of information absolutely free and anonymous for you to peruse. Uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And wrapped up in there, as mentioned, the Severance Pay Calculator, which, if only for interest sake, is a cool thing to take 30 seconds here time and figure out what that would look like if uh, the time ever came down that you were let go and you wanted to know what your full benefits uh, would be. That's the uh, the place to go. 416-870-6400 is the number you want to use to call in. What you need to know about employment agreements. We could talk about this for five hours straight, but let's get down to the, uh, the nitty-gritty of it. Why are they so important, pal? Well, you're absolutely right, John. We could talk about this for we, we could do an entire day <laughs> back yeah. to back about employment yep. agreements. There's so much uh, to them and there's so much that's that's in them that's important. Uh, the most important thing in a termination in an employment agreement typically is the termination provision, if there is one or if there isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, other than setting out your salary and your hours, these agreements lay out all the rules that are going to govern your job, not just during your job, but especially when your job ends. So you could have provisions that limit your rights. You could have provisions that grant the employer a greater right than normal. So the right to put you on a layoff, the right to change your job, the right to transfer you, uh, all sorts of things can be included in the employment agreement. And if you've negotiated it yourself, hopefully you've negotiated some benefits. But if you've just been presented with an employment agreement, typically it's going to have a whole bunch of stuff that's going going to uh, benefit the employer and probably not much to benefit you other than the job itself. Once you sign, you're locked into it. Uh, so you really do have to be careful before you sign. Now, this ne- this next question, if I were to ask, you know, 100 people on the street, I know what the answer would be, and it would be counter to what the answer you're going to give me is. And the question is this, what's better, a handshake or a nice fat 10-page agreement? I know most people would say, no, no, I want I want everything covered, man. The bigger, the better. The fatter the employment agreement, the safer I feel. That's not so, is it? It's not. Typically, a verbal agreement or a very short agreement is going to preserve all of your rights because what you have to know as an employee is that most of your rights are implied. They're implied when you when you sign up with a new employer. So even if the uh, employment agreement you have is an email just saying, here's your salary, here's your starting date, and here's your hours. Great. That means, what does that mean? You, that means you now have your full rights to severance. That means you have the right uh, for the employer not to make unilateral changes to your job that are significant. It means you have the right generally speaking, with few exceptions, to compete freely with your employer when your employment is over. When you have those 10-page agreements, all of that can change. So particularly if you didn't negotiate it yourself and it's something that was just presented to you, it means that your interests likely have not been accounted for. Sometimes they are. Sometimes employers will place in generous clauses, but 99 out of 100 times, those provisions are the bare minimum, the absolute minimum rights that the employer uh, can give you, which means that you are wiping away tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of uh, of entitlements that you would have had otherwise. So you really do have to be careful when you're getting a long agreement, especially if you're getting that agreement midway through your employment. It truly is a case of, of less is more. I mean, the less you have laid out in front of you, the better you are just going in. Uh, I, I don't want to use the word naked, but that's basically what it is with a new job. If it's a handshake and okay, start tomorrow, you're much better off that way. 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes you want to negotiate something specific. Sometimes you want to negotiate a bonus entitlement or mm-hmm. uh, an entitlement that, uh, or a signing bonus, or, or some uh, maybe you're a manager and you're not normally entitled to overtime, but the employer has agreed to give you overtime. So there are scenarios where you may want to negotiate something yourself, but you can negotiate that in an email. You can negotiate it in that, that in a contract. You still want that contract to be fairly brief and only, and ideally only include the things that you want to the extent that you can. We'll take a short break, get to more of these, and we have wide open lines for your uh, your phone calls. Bring them on, 416-870-6400. You want to reach out through email, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Get right back to it, Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And hey, welcome back to it. Uh, one thirty-two on Sunday afternoon. It's a beauty out there, a hot one. We got uh, lots more on the way. You have a phone call, a question for John. No problem. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. The discussion of employment law in general. Your phone calls. Bring them on. That's what the show is here for. Each and every uh, every time we do it. In the meantime, though, what you need to know about employment agreements. What should, uh, as an employee, what should they be watching out for when signing that agreement, whether it's the first time or if, uh, if the employer's, you know, sliding one across the table mid-employment? What things uh, should they be looking out for, pal? The biggest one, the biggest red flag by far, John, is going to be the termination clause. Termination of employment clauses for many people can mean the difference between a severance package of, let's say, four weeks or six months or sometimes or six yeah. months pay or, or sometimes even more than that. And if you're in a job where you're earning, you know, let's say $100,000 a year or $70,000 a year or $50,000 a year, I mean, you can do the math. It's going to be very, very expensive thing for you to give up. And if you have any leverage in negotiating this agreement, if the, that if you know that employer needs you to work there, then that is the number one thing that you want to negotiate most of the time is a termination clause. Other things that you want to look out for, especially given what we're experiencing right now, uh, layoff clauses uh, so that employer can get rid of your pay and and tell you not to come into work for up to eight months. Uh, And uh, if they have a layoff clause, they can allow you to do that. And other things can be restrictions on your ability to work afterwards. So you really want to watch out, especially for a non-competition clause. You know, if you do get one of these really, really long agreements, the best advice that I can give is to actually give us a call and, and speak with an employment lawyer because otherwise, um, you know, you are risking missing something and, and regretting it later. Can they can they be negotiated and they can can they be negotiated by the potential employee? Meaning, should I just call you and have you do it, or can someone go in and? Is there some things that you'll have a bit of leeway with just working on your own behalf? Well, it's very rare for me to actually step in and negotiate on behalf right. of an employee. I mean, it's happened, but usually where I'm uh, getting to the picture is in the background. You know, I'll tell the employee, here are the clauses that you want to really think about. And the best thing that I can help you to do is to pick your battles. In terms of whether the employment agreement can be negotiated or not, that actually has nothing to do with the law. Uh, that has to do merely with your relationship with this company. Are, are you being recruited? Is are they really? Do they really want you? Is this someone you've known a long time? Um, or is it a company that you're really desperate to get into? And if it's a company that you're desperate to get into and they're looking at 25 different applicants, then you may not have the, the leverage to negotiate it. On the other hand, if you're being recruited from a job and they really want you there, then you shouldn't leave until you have an employment agreement that you are absolutely comfortable with. Um, yeah. So uh, that is uh, really going to depend on the circumstances and really has nothing to do with me. 
It is uh, 135. We'll get to another call here. 416-870-6400 is the way to get through. Ask your questions. Howard, thanks for uh, thanks for taking your time. How are you? Great. How are you? Still fogging up a mirror, man. Can't complain. What's uh, What's on your mind? Uh, I'm an employer. I've got a guy that's worked for me for about 10 years now. And um, he's been um, acting really aggressive with the other employees. He's given them the impression that he wants to get fired. He's doing sloppy work, passive-aggressive behavior. And um, how do I handle it? Well, that's a, that's a tough situation, Howard, and one that employers come to me with quite often. You know, the issue here is going to be how patient you're prepared to be to keep him on. Uh, often, the right business decision is to simply uh, terminate this employee right away. Now, depending on this employee's job and their age and, of course, whether you have an employment agreement with them setting out his, uh, his entitlements, it could be a substantial liability. Um, but you really have to look at first, what do I need to do for the business? Because if it's something that you think that you can hold on for the next six months, nine months to a year, then now's the time to start issuing warnings, written warning number one, number two, and you know eventually potentially suspension. And then you may be able to build a case for a just cause if this person proves himself to be completely incorrigible. But if you're in a situation where your business, you know, you know, if it's a small business and you've got a lot of employees working closely together and it's just becoming toxic, you may decide that the best thing for the business is to simply get rid of this person right now, which you have the discretion to do, but you're going to have to think about uh, severance entitlements. So um, what, what kind of role does this person have, Howard? So basically he works in a technical type of position with a bit of sales. Okay, and, and around how old is this person? That'd be about 45. 45 years old? Okay, so, I mean, the, the liability here could, could technically, technically be about a year's pay. Um, so that's, that's what you have to think about. If you're going to terminate this person's employment, you're either going to have to give them a, an extended working notice period, which probably is not going to be practical in the circumstances, or you're going to have to pay out uh, some kind of salary continuance or lump sum. And, and I think that the period of time that would be out here, you know, all other things being equal based on what you've told me, is probably about 12 months pay. So there are ways to deal with this, uh, but really the, the first decision that you have to make is how long can I put up with this? Can I put up with this long enough to start issuing warnings uh, and start uh, basically telling this person that, you know, this is not going to be tolerated um, and perhaps start building up a case for cause. Um, if, on the other hand, really you just you just want to get rid of them and, and, and want to get rid of them right away, then a without cause termination, notwithstanding the liability and the cost of doing that, is probably the way to go. So even if you build up a case and it takes nine months to do so, you can still come back for more. They can try. That's that's why I, I usually try and dissuade people from asserting just cause. Um, I, I think typically in a situation like this, the best the best way to go forward um, is usually a without cause dismissal. But it's going to depend on the circumstances. Just cause is very very hard to prove, uh, but it's not impossible. Uh, it sounds like the um, you know the kinds of actions here are. are, are are somewhat extreme so um, if you're willing to put in the work to put in the amount of warnings and depending on how things progress you may not need to need to wait that long uh, it's one of those things that we would have to monitor but you know Howard if, if, if you're really sort of um, struggling with the 
choice of whether to let them go now or, or to start waiting and start issuing uh, warnings, I'd recommend that we talk about this in a little bit more detail. I mean, the, the simplest way to deal with it is certainly a without cause dismissal, especially if you have an employment agreement uh, with this person. But that's really going to um, – there. No, that, mean we don't. We've actually – no, some of the other employees, we've got smarter and do have employment agreements with other employees, but uh, he was hired before we started doing this, and he, he wouldn't sign an agreement. He refused to. Right, right. So uh, that means that you're probably going to be on the hook for that, that full 12 months, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's it's simply uh, paying this person 12 months. There's uh, more than one way to deal with it. So uh, if you're looking for options about how to uh, try and mitigate that liability and, and, and try and uh, pay a lesser amount here and, and uh, make this actually palatable for the business, then definitely give us a call and we can, we can talk about some options. But it, it does strike me as you know a case where it probably makes absolute sense for the business to get rid of this person right away, uh, but a, a without cause dismissal. Howard, appreciate that. Suggested uh, that you have a, a lengthier conversation with John for sure. Here is the way to do that. one 821 5900 Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And you can check that out and have a, a, a lengthier conversation, make a decision at that point. We'll take a quick break here, give you some time to grab a phone and make a call just like Howard if it... Uh, if it's something you want to do, get some information, 416-870-6400. That is the number to use. And we'll go back into uh, why you need to know about employment agreements and why your information is key in that regard. That's all coming up. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is 144. We roll on here the Sunday afternoon edition of the Employment Law Show. John Pink is here to answer your questions for the remaining time. It is 416-870-6400 and email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. want to wrap up our topic of what you need to know about employment agreements. We've talked about this uh, for about the past half hour and why everybody should be aware when signing one, either at uh, the beginning of a job, the outset, or if someone hands one to you, your, uh, your employer midstream, why it's so important to have it looked at and take some time before you just put pen to paper indeed. So we'll go fast forward. You've uh, you've signed an employment agreement without advice. You just said, ah, this looks okay. I'll do it. Now what? Yeah, I mean, if you've signed an agreement and now, um, you know, if your, your employment is terminated, you still got to seek advice, uh, especially as a result of the newest uh, decisions that we have coming from our, our province's highest court. We have a situation now where the vast majority of employment clauses, which have been illegally drafted by employers for many, many years, are fin have finally been recognized as legal and unenforceable. So what that means is that even if you have an employment agreement with a termination clause that seems like it limits you to the minimum amount, uh, you should speak with an employment lawyer because if that clause was not drafted legally, they're not going to be able to rely on that clause. And the only way you're going to know that is if you speak to an employment lawyer. So absolutely, especially if your employer is relying on a termination clause, you should absolutely be seeking legal advice. Uh, sometimes the whole contract is unenforceable. Sometimes yeah. the clause is enforceable. Uh, you really have to uh, to check that out and make sure you're getting what you're owed. Again, 416-870-6400. you got some time to make a phone call, ask your questions. Another thing we like to cover, and that is being let go from your job without even realizing it. This is, uh, this is fantastic stuff. Um, here's one, and this is 
this couldn't be more topical over the last three months. You're out on a temporary layoff. How is that being without your job and not even knowing it? Yeah, this is affecting scores of people, of course, right now um, as a result of uh, COVID-19. So a lot of people who have never agreed uh, to be on a temporary layoff all of a sudden are finding themselves in that position. And the reality is that as far as the common law is concerned, as far as your full entitlements uh, are concerned, the law has been very clear for a long time that that is a termination. Now, you may hear a lot about the new regulation on the Employment Standards Act. Your company may be referring to, to it, uh, saying uh, you may have Googled it, saying that, well, no, temporary layoffs are different. That is only for your minimum entitlement. So just like we say, don't go for, to the Ministry of Labor for your min- minimum severance entitlements. Do not rely on something uh, about the Employment Standards Act when we're talking about your full severance entitlements. Bottom line is, if you've been temporarily laid off, please uh, do give us a call uh, because you're you're probably going to have some options and we should talk about what those options are. Talk about being let go from your job without even realizing it. Uh, Your employer changes the terms of employment. Uh, They reduce your salary or they change your job, work location, maybe your hours of work. Talk about that. Right. Just so just like any other constructive dismissal case, which is what we're we're talking about here, you really want to be cautious when any of these changes are implemented and make sure that you seek legal advice before you take any action. So what you don't want to do is you don't want to leave your job and say, okay, I've left my job. Is that a constructive dismissal? Because what I may have to say to you is actually it's not a constructive dismissal and you've just lost your severance entitlements. You've just resigned. So you do really have to be very, very careful to talk to us before you make any decisions so that you at least have uh, some uh, idea of of what you're doing. Um, Now, there may be something in an employment contract you've signed that uh, speaks to your work location that says we can transfer you anywhere in the country and it's part of your job. Well, this is why it's very important to look at these contracts before you sign them because if you're in that situation, it may not be a constructive dismissal. On the other hand, if you are working in uh, Windsor and all of a sudden you've been asked to work in Toronto and there's nothing in your employment agreement that speaks to that, then there's a very good chance that is going to be a constructive dismissal and you could be owed severance if you're not able to make that move. So you really have to speak to an employment lawyer, but don't let it sit because uh, if you let it sit uh, or you allow these changes to be implemented, you will have been deemed after uh, a short period of time, a relatively short period of time, to have accepted those changes. So that's another thing you have to be careful about. And is it not, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, being working in Windsor and then being forced to, or at least being told you have to uh, change your work location to Toronto. It's not a cut and dry rule for everybody across the board. For instance, if you and I worked in the same place and I drove to work and it took me 20 minutes, you took a bus to work and it took you 25, but then they've changed work location for both of us six miles down the road. Eh, it added five minutes to my trip, but now it's added three buses and 45 minutes to your trip. Those are two different scenarios, are they not? You, you could possibly claim a constructive dismissal. Absolutely, John. It really is going to differ based on the circumstances. And so one of the questions that we always ask in the case of a forced transfer is, has the employer compensated you to make up for that? You know, in the example you described, has the employer given a car allowance or a car uh, to allow that person to drive to work where, you know, maybe it would have taken them an hour and 45 minutes by transit and only takes 30 to 40 minutes uh, by car? Um, and uh, is this a position that you've held for a long time or have you moved before? So it's going to be very, very fact-specific, and you're not going to be able to make that determination on your own. It's, it's when you want to speak to an employment lawyer. 
want to slide into some emails here in the last few minutes, but you still got uh, you still got some time. That is to uh, make a phone call and ask your questions. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And remember to always consult pocketemploymentlawyer.ca for more information when we're not doing this show. So have a look at that as we go to break. We'll get right back to it uh, very shortly. Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back indeed. 416-870-6400. That is the way to call through and ask your question. Tony, thanks for uh, doing exactly that. How are you this afternoon? I'm very good. Yourself? Good, my man. What's uh, what's on your mind? So I'm calling on behalf of my daughter. She's 17. Uh, and there's a, a number of part-timers who work in a, a small independent food service, let's say less than 10 people. Uh, and they were all discussing their wages amongst themselves. Uh, the owner of the company found this out and has uh, reprimanded one of the employees for doing that and also uh, threatened to dismiss her if that happens again. And that did not sound like that is something that is right. Well, um, as it currently stands, it, it is legal for an employer to prohibit their employees from discussing wages amongst uh, themselves. There, there was going to be a law uh, put in by the previous provincial government to make it illegal for an employer to stop their employees from talking about their salaries, but uh, the Ford government has suspended that law. So as it currently stands, an employer can do that and can issue a warning uh, if employees are um, uh, discussing their wages, they can consider that confidential information. Now, okay. if after only one warning, uh, their employment is terminated, y- your daughter's probably going to be owed a severance package still. Um, but, you know, un- un- unless that Pay Transparency Act is put into force and, you know, given the current distractions, not, not to make a political prediction, but it doesn't it doesn't seem to me like that's happening anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, it still remains the case that employers are allowed to dictate that that information uh, compensation is deemed confidential. Uh, and certainly an employer can uh, reprimand their employees for sharing confidential information. So I, I think that for the time being, uh, unfortunately uh, for, for your daughter, um, she's, she's going to have to sort of uh, keep her, her compensation uh, to herself uh, based on that. Now, if she learns compensa- if someone else tells her their compensation, she can't really control that and she can't really be reprimanded for that. But certainly her own compensation, she should be keeping confidential since she's been um, directed to do that. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Tony. Uh, appreciate the call. Let's move on to uh, to an email here. Grace says, uh, hi, guys. I've been working as a manager, a manager for 10 years and have never been paid overtime. How do I force my boss to pay for it? I usually work 55 hours per week or more. Well, the, the issue here is that if Grace is truly a manager, uh, she's not going to be entitled to overtime pay right. uh, because there are exemptions for managers and, and people who have supervisory duties. Now, that, that's not necessarily the end of the story, though, because some people are just managers in title, but in fact, they're doing non-managerial duties for 75% of the day. And if that happens, 
uh, then in fact Grace would be entitled to overtime pay. So the question here is, is she really a manager as defined by the Ontario Employment Standards Act? And so that's something that um, you, you may want to give us a call uh, to discuss. Uh, it's, it's one of those few things that actually you can go to the Ministry of Labor uh, when we talk on our show, when we're talking about, well, I shouldn't say one of the few things, but one of the few things that we talk about on the show that you can go to the Ministry of Labor for uh, because we're usually talking about severance entitlements. Overtime is something you can go to the Ministry of Labor, and if it turns out that, uh, Grace, uh, you're not a manager uh, and you're just a manager only in title, uh, then you would be entitled to overtime, and you can claim for that back overtime owing by making an employment standards claim with the ministry. Now, if we were to circle back to our earlier discussion about employment agreements, had Grace, when she was hired, say we'll assume she was hired as a manager, if that's something she had negotiated into her employment contract, that even though she's a manager, she would receive overtime, would that hold water? Would she be in a different uh, a different standing here? Absolutely, absolutely it would, John. I mean, you, you can't negotiate something that's lower than the Employment Standards Act, but you can negotiate something that is higher. And if you have a higher entitlement that's negotiated by contract, that's absolutely enforceable. Uh, so uh, that that is a, a one of those few examples where an employment contract actually could serve, if negotiated, to benefit the employee. Let me, uh, we got about uh, two minutes to go here. I'll slide a quick one in from Hussein. Hussein says, guys, my boss just let me go two weeks before I was owed a huge commission payment. That's nice. Is that allowed? N- well, it, it's allowed, Hussein. It's, it, they are allowed to terminate your employment, but if you are owed a hu- huge commission payment that would have come due um, yeah. in those two weeks um, and you have been employed there for longer than a year, then that means that your statutory notice period would have been two weeks, which means that your commission payment would be owed in that time. So if you've been employed there for longer than a year, uh, then I would say, yes, absolutely, you are going to be owed that commission payment. You can't stop your employer from uh, terminating your employment. Uh, but uh, certainly that commission payment still should be owed to you. So if it's not, then definitely give us a call. And at the same time, let's let's look at your severance package and make sure that's adequate too. Good way to wrap it up for the day. Thank you, Hussein. And now obviously you have the email address. I'll give you the phone number to reach out. That goes for everybody as well who listens to the show on a uh, weekly basis, one 855 2-1-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And uh, if you simply go to employmentlawyer.ca, you'll find past shows and links to our television show as well. And uh, now that John is gone for the day, that's okay. You got him in your pocket in the form of pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Lots of information and education to be had there as well. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.